Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Alina, you grab that side. I'll grab this side and we will stretch this dollar. Are you ready? I am. Thank you, George. Excellent. Welcome to Money Savage Further. This is George Grombacher. Our guest today is Alina Trigub, the founder and managing partner of Samo Financial, a company helping people build wealth through passive real estate investing. I'm excited to have you on. Alina, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Absolutely. And George, again, thank you for having me on your show. I'm really excited to be here yeah. and hoping to share a few nuggets of wisdom with your audience. Um, so my name is Alina Trugub. I am a former tax accountant. Uh, I was always searching for ways to, number one, diversify my portfolio, find ways to uh, invest in something outside of the typical Wall Street, stock bonds, mutual funds. And as a former tax accountant, I have been always searching for ways to minimize my taxes. And um, real estate has been on my mind for a long time, but I haven't taken action. And finally, about six years ago, I decided that I need to take action. So I after doing the research, um, I realized that real estate was for me. However, uh, given that I live in an expensive area in New York, New Jersey, uh, I could not find an appropriate investment here. So I started looking for out-of-state investments and found a way to invest out-of-state and do it completely passively without any interruption to my day-to-day life through private placements by basically investing money um, in someone else's deals and letting other people do the work. And after doing that for a few years um, and reaping the rewards to it, um, I decided that I wanted to spread the word and help a lot of other folks do the same thing. So I started my own company with that sole purpose of helping people diversify their portfolio, um, invest in something outside of Wall Street this way, also find ways to minimize their taxes um, by having enough, um, you know, depreciation through real estate investments, and also by making a social impact, because essentially when we're buying properties and improving them, we're improving the communities and making a a positive social impact on the communities this way. So it's like it's a huge, huge benefit as well in this case. So that essentially is my story, and that's where I'm at today. I like it. Those are three positive things. Um, looking for ways to invest outside of traditional uh, traditional sources, wanting to minimize taxes, and also have the ability to have a social impact. That is all good. What is it that you don't like about uh, traditional investments or, or like Wall Street? Um well, I, I don't like the fact that uh, the general population uh, doesn't have uh, enough information about being able to invest outside of Wall Street. I, I think everyone should diversify. So uh, I definitely think that you know we should be investing in Wall Street, but have access to other opportunities such as real estate. But it, it doesn't have to be real estate. It could be gold, oil, 
uh, you know, commodities, whatever else. There are tons of other things that people can invest, and it's just the information is not as publicly available as it is about uh, the stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, Wall Street investments, unfortunately, are not the calculated. It's um, essentially throwing a dart in the dark. And I would like to have a little bit more of a calculated risk, which real estate investing provides. Uh, and that's why I like a lot um, the investing in real estate through that. So well, I appreciate that's, that. That's my take. Okay, fair enough. So when you say that that Wall Street investments are not as much as a calculated risk, but the approach that you take is, tell me more about that. Tell me more about what, what you mean by calculated risk. Sure. Uh, let's say, George, you and I like coffee and start drinking Starbucks instead of once a day, six times a day. Okay. Do you think it will have a direct... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're going to be jumping up and down. We, we will. Do you think it will have direct, direct correlation to what uh, Starbucks stocks will, stock will be doing? Probably not. Probably not. Exactly. So uh, if, when it comes to real estate, when we're buying a property, let's make it easy. Let's say we're buying an apartment building. Uh, when we're buying a property, the previous owner, the seller, will give us financial statements. We take the financial statements and we do the calculations uh, into the future that are called projections based on that income statement and by taking into account, uh, account what economy dictates, what current market dictates in terms of bumping rents, in terms of uh, expenses and so forth. And that's what I call the calculated risk. We're able to do the underwriting based on the actual data that's given to us and based on the assumptions about this specific market. And, and that's what I like. I guess, you know, being a former tax accountant, I, I like to work with Excel and, and the numbers. And that gives me, uh, you know, sort of warm and fuzzy feeling that I'm, I'm making this assumption based on something that exists today. Does that make sense? Got it. No, that makes perfect sense. I appreciate the expl- explanation. So, all right. So you said that you always loved real estate, and and obviously your background as a tax accountant. Um, it is it's a combination of the love and then of I don't want to refer to it as special tax treatment, but just tax treatment in general that made you decide that real estate was what you wanted to focus on versus all those other non traditional type investments. Uh, multiple things. I also always wanted to start my own business, uh, but you know, for me, social impact is important. I love helping people, so this was a way for me to help people, educate them, and bring something that's not available to the general pu- public to as many people as possible through my company, and that's what I'm doing. And uh, having that uh, background in accounting and actually my MBA is fi- in finance, so having that education and uh, almost 20 years of corporate experience obviously helps because I can translate that all um, into a business model uh, that is specifically directed at helping other folks and it also encompasses uh, providing them some sort of education and providing people awareness as to what they can do outside of uh, Wall Street in terms of their investing. Got it. Perfect. All right, so the strategy, it's um, can be classified as private placement? Yep. So tell us a little bit about that and, and how it works. Sure. So um, uh, if 
if a group of people wants to buy a large commercial real estate, uh, the model in a simplified way is very similar to a single family house. You need to pay the down payment, uh, closing costs, and then account for any renovations to the property. Same with the commercial real estate. It's, uh, you have to pay down payment, you have to pay closing costs, and you have to account for any renovations that you need to do. So, but when it comes to a large property that probably costs you know, from a million to many, many millions, um, you, people group money together to buy that property. And when there are passive investors involved, people that will not be doing the work but just investing their funds, um, that's classified uh, by a government as a security. When you sell in a security, it's called syndication. So when uh, people are going to invest through a syndication, uh, a syndication attorney has to be hired and uh, a, a bunch of other specialists have to be hired to work on the syndication. And that's why the costs are uh, significantly higher than um, in, in a regular residential real estate. And that means that not only there will be passive investors, but also that there will be active investors that are also called general partners, people that will be doing the work. So in this uh, group or partnership, if you will, there will be one or maybe multiple people that will be general partners that will be taking care of um, everything from finding the property to expensing it to negotiating the finance term to then purchasing it and managing the asset, managing property management and so forth. So these are the people that do all the work and obviously they'll be compensated for it. And then there will be another group of people that are passive investors or limited partners as they're called um, that will be uh, only responsible for investing their funds. They have no liabilities, they're not personally responsible for anything, but they just need to make a decision whether they want to invest in one partnership or the other and then watch their money grow and see how investment is progressing and then potentially find more investments to have uh, a further diversification uh, outside of Wall Street into more of real estate investments. Did it. I answer your question? Yes, yep, very much. I, I meant, and thank you. All right, so for each one and, and and perhaps that's 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 the wrong term let's assume that that well perhaps it is perhaps the right one so you say okay my my company um samo is going to start raising money and do we just do one one building at a time for lack of a better term and then raise new money so Sure. Fair, no, absolutely. Fair question, George. Uh, it can be done uh, multiple ways. Uh, a syndication can be created for a single property or it can be created for multiple properties. In that case, it becomes a fund, even if it's more like if it's two properties, it's a portfolio or a fund. So absolutely. And a lot depends on, number one, the experience of the operator and um, number two, uh, what's your time span, how much time you want to spend on uh, raising money for this fund, and, you know, obviously, depending on how much money you raise, uh, uh, the number of properties uh, w will depend as well, and also the type of asset you're buying, and I'll give you an example in the last one. Um, some asset classes are slightly less expensive than others, and um, while it may make more sense to buy uh, one apartment complex with, let's say, 100 units or two or 300 units. Uh, when it comes to, for example, a mobile home park, um, if it's only 50 
units or 50 pets, if you will, uh, it may be relatively inexpensive. So for an operator that's been around for many years, they may decide that they want to do fund and buy uh, several of these mobile home park funds, mobile home parks, uh, and uh, merge them together into a fund. And this way, uh, they are able to accommodate a lot more investors and uh, produce returns that are based on, on multiple properties. And that's actually gives additional cushion and it's appropriate for investors that are a lot more conservative than others because they have several properties that are sort of backing each other out and uh, you know one is not producing as expensive the other one may be uh, over delivering so it helps to keep that portfolio in check if you will got it okay so for for every different opportunity for for each private placement the expectation of the people investing is going to be a little bit different based on what the goal yes. of the the actual placement is. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's always the case. But uh, before the people investors decide to invest, uh, they're given a proper documentation. Uh, it's called offering memorandum that details uh, not only the opportunity itself, but it details. Uh, the market it, it, it gives a history and the track record of each of the general partners. Um, it, it gives the comparison between these properties and the other properties in the area. So it gives enough foundations to make a decision based on that document. Or if the people want to do additional research, they're always welcome to um, go out there, whether it's World Wide Web or fly out there and see the property themselves. Um, that you know, that's always uh, out there on the table for everyone to decide how much research they want to do before making a decision. Appreciate that. Okay, great. And is there, traditionally speaking, a minimum for investing in a private placement? Uh, so each investment is different. Mm -hmm. uh, some it may start at the fifty thousand. Some may start lower or higher. Um, you uh, for, for for the general public, um, they, they may find the investments as low as five to ten thousand if they go to crowdfunding platforms. Uh, but but still, there are, since it's regulated by SEC, there are certain rules that have to be met. And you know, without going into the details of the rules, I'll just mention that uh, some people have to meet uh, the so-called accredited investor status, and mm -hmm. other investors have to meet the non-accredited, or it's, as it's called in public, sophisticated investor status. So those requirements would have to be met for, first uh, prior to be able to invest, and also. Uh, what's important is which regulation is used for a particular investment, uh, and there are tons of them. But I, I believe crowdfunding platforms use Reg A a lot, and that allows uh, people to come into the investments at a lot of lower levels. Got it. Perfect. Excellent. And let's see here. So many different questions. Is there a person that, that this is really not a good fit for? Uh, yes, uh, I strongly discourage anyone who doesn't have their debt situation in order and doesn't have money specifically allocated to investment to start investing. And, and those are actually prerequisites for my investors. Um, when someone tells me that you know they have a ton of debt or uh, they want to invest, but they let's say they need to double their money, but they don't have any money for investing, these are the money that they put aside for. Um, 
say emergency situation. I'm not going to work with that person. I want them to have <clears throat> all their debts in order, uh, be able to uh, pay their debts, and have uh, emergency fund money set aside. And the money that they're bringing into the investing should be specifically allocated for investing. And they need to know that these money are not FDIC insured, and hence there are risks involved. And that means that this money can be lost at any time. And if this money is lost, then it's not going to drastically impact this person or this family. They can still continue move on with their life. So it shouldn't be their, let's say, last 50000 It should be, you know, a pool of money out of which they're pulling only 50000 and let's say it represents maybe 20 or 40 percent of, of their uh, liquidity and they're able to invest to see how it's going to go but uh, they can also continue with their life uh, be- because these money are coming from the fund dedicated to the investing that makes sense perfect well alina thank you so much for coming on where can savage nation learn more about you Absolutely, and it's my pleasure, George. Uh, Savage Nation can learn about me on my website, which is Samo Financial. It's S S M A M S Michael O Financial dot com, or they can find me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Alina your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to Samo Financial. That's S A M O financial.com you can also find her on linkedin facebook and instagram and i'll list all of that in the notes of the show thank you again alina thank you george and until next time keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together before i go quick announcement i've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do i start a podcast that i've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing. Leave us a review. And definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.